Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News, where the week after the election, there are still so many unresolved questions, lawsuits, questions about fraud, whistleblowers, FBI investigations, intensive data analyses, all pointing to some irregularities in this election. We at Just the News are trying to get to the bottom of it piece by piece. Uh, And today we've got a great interview with someone who's on the front lines of the data integrity, the election integrity hunt, and that is Matt Brainerd. He's the former director of data and strategy for the Trump campaign back in 2016. He's a data scientist, somebody who really knows how to do comparisons. And he has a massive project, a a multi-state project where he's comparing voter roles and uh, uh, absentee requests to those who live in the state, who are convicted felons, who may be dead, and finding some very, very important early revelations that point to whether or not, and can answer the question ultimately, whether or not fraud was conducted in such a scale as it could have potentially impacted the outcome in states like Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, um, Nevada, and uh, uh, places like that. So Matt Brainer's going to join us in a few minutes. He's got a tremendous story to tell. He'll explain his project. He'll explain his early efforts, what he's doing, how he's doing it, where it goes next. And um, we can't wait for uh, you to hear from him. He uh, really knows how to, uh, to crunch data in a way that is uh, scientific. And uh, he'll tell you this in a little bit, but when he gets somebody who says, they're listed as having requested an absentee ballot or voting, and they did not. He goes and gets an affidavit so it can be viable in the court of law with some of these uh, big lawsuits that are being filed by the likes of the Trump campaign, Phil Klein at the Amistad Project, who we had on this podcast last week. So Matt Brainerd in a few minutes is going to join us. We're going to take a commercial break in a second. But before we do, I want to bring you up to speed on some of the more important developments over the weekend from the Just the News Election Integrity Project that we've launched. And again, we're doing things journalistically, fact-based, no skin in the game. We're not driven by emotion. We're not driven by politics. We're driven by the facts. And here are here's probably the single most important story that we broke over the weekend. And that is in Wisconsin. We were able to obtain memos from the Wisconsin Election Commission. That is a uh, bureaucratic entity that runs Wisconsin's election, showing that on three separate occasions, the Wisconsin Election Commission, the unelected bureaucrats of that commission, in fact, changed the rules uh, for how election uh, elections were going to be conducted, how votes were going to be counted, what election clerks in the various counties and cities could and couldn't do. Why is that significant? Well, because Section 1, Article, I'm sorry, Article 1, Section 4 of the Constitution says only a legislature may make those changes. Only a legislature may set the rules and uh, means by which the Americans uh, in their jurisdiction vote and how they vote and how those votes are tallied, what counts, what doesn't count. But in Wisconsin, we have irrefutable, factually solid evidence that uh, the rules for the 2020 election were changed, not by the legislature, not by lawmakers, in the Wisconsin Assembly or Wisconsin State Senate, but rather by the unelected bureaucrats of the Wisconsin Election Commission. What are those three changes? We're going to tell you what they are. The first is um, uh, the commission gave as many as a quarter million Wisconsin citizens 
the ability to evade or avoid uh, the voter ID rules that the Wisconsin legislature require. This is when you send in a request for an absentee ballot, you need to have a witness and, and uh, ID verification that you are who you say you are when you request the ballot. And for some reason, the Wisconsin Election Commission voided that responsibility for anyone who declared themselves permanently homebound by COVID. So if you uh, didn't, uh, uh, if you claim that you, because of COVID you were staying in your uh, a home constantly. The Wisconsin Election Commission said you can skip the voter ID requirements in the witness identification. Uh, that is something that was not approved by the legislature, but it was approved by these bureaucrats. The second thing that the Wisconsin Election Commission did that was not approved by the legislature is they gave Wisconsin election clerks, this is very similar to what happened in Pennsylvania, they gave Wisconsin election clerks the ability uh, to change, alter, fill in information on ballots that were incomplete. Now, why is that important? Well, the Wisconsin law passed by the state legislature said if a ballot was incomplete, it was void and null. It could not be counted. It was considered um, an inappropriate or non-countable ballot. But Wisconsin election clerk said, listen, if you see someone with a witness verification, they didn't put the address in, go ahead and fill it in. That obviously changed the ballot. That's something that was not envisioned or allowed by the state legislature. It's the second rule. The third thing that the Wisconsin Election Commission and the uh, state bureaucrats in Wisconsin did, they failed to meet the legislature's requirement that they void old names. People who moved out of the state, died, no longer were Wisconsin residents. They forgot to take them off. Actually, they didn't forget they refused to take them off uh, the voter rolls as planned, uh, a matter that uh, is still pending in the Wisconsin courts. But three separate actions by unelected bureaucrats, all right, you'll call them the deep state. I know my, our listeners will think that, but you know, unelected bureaucrats making changes that the legislature never intended to be made or certainly didn't approve. Uh, why is that important? When you get to the court, when you get to the level of the US Supreme Court or the Federal Appeals Court, those judges there, those justices are not going to referee. That vote should call and that one shouldn't. They're not going to be taking a look at that dead person uh, got the vote or that uh, person didn't request a ballot. They're going to leave all that to the state authorities. They may, however, they've signaled they may in, in the latest Supreme Court rulings before election, they may weigh in on the question of whether or not um, the legislature was not consulted, did not approve certain uh, practices that affected the outcome of uh, the 2020 election. That is the Article 1, Section 4 um, debate. And I think when you get at the level of the Supreme Court, that's the sort of things uh, that justice is going to be looking at. Now, why do we know they're interested in that and not this dead person and that um, out-of-state citizen wrongly voted? Because on Friday night, Justice Alito ordered that all uh, ballots that were filed under a change in rules in Pennsylvania, P ballots that came in after the election day that that Wisconsin, uh, excuse me, that Pennsylvania was going to allow to be counted anyways, that they be segregated for future uh, legal purposes. That tells you that that's where the Supreme Court's head is. They're going to be looking at was there an unequal protection, uneven process by, that affected voters differently in different parts of a state? Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Michigan all have those issues. They're all important issues, and I think you're going to hear 
uh, or C, the lawsuits filed by the president's campaign, President Trump's campaign, and those in the private sector like Phil uh, Klein, that those are going to be the primary legal basis by which the court challenges are going to move forward if they do. All right, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, Matt Brainerd's going to join us. He's running a election integrity project unlike any in American history. You're going to want to hear what he has to say right after these great messages from our sponsors and advertisers. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation, and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold, and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it, with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest, a man on the front lines of the election integrity questions that we're all facing in the country right now. Matt Brainerd joins us. Matt, welcome to the show. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's our honor. And uh, you've done some great stuff. You were the data and strategy director in the camp, uh, Trump campaign back in 2016. And uh, right now you're doing a very important independent project, taking a look at some of the irregularities, some of the integrity questions in the election. Describe how it got started and where you are in the process. Uh, well, initially I outlined a series of tech, uh, techniques to try to identify um, potential voter fraud. And I've shared it to Twitter. You know, I've, I've worked uh, these last few years as a consultant for various campaigns all right. over the country. Not currently, wasn't currently engaged with the Trump campaign, but uh, I just had some ideas and I shared them on Twitter and it just, it blew up. And I had uh, a few million impressions on those tweets and people were wow. saying, hey, you should just do this. Uh, you know, we'd be happy to help fund it. So I set up a crowdfunding site uh, on GoFundMe that got to 220,000 and then GoFundMe nuked it. Wow. Um, so then I found another site, a much more uh, conservative friendly site called Give, Send, Go, and uh, put up a new page up there. And and then uh, we we hit we just hit 300,000 on that. Fantastic. Um, I, unfortunately, um, what we're trying to do is incredibly expensive. Um, we've been building data and, and augmenting it with commercially available data. Uh, and we've spent so far uh, about a hundred thousand dollars just on data on the uh, six uh, most important states to try to identify this potential fraud. And a big component of our programs is actually reaching out to people to find out if they actually voted, if they cast the ballot that the state said they did. We have many people who filed national change of address cards indicating they've moved away to a different place. Right. Yet they're marked as having voted. So we are going out and asking them through phone and text, hey, did you actually cast that ballot? And we're already getting people back saying, no, I did not cast that ballot. Now we've got to get those people to sign an affidavit. And that becomes something actionable. Yeah, absolutely. So many, 
you have seen so many theories and charts and graphs of evidence, you know, and that's interesting, but it's not evidence. Yeah. evidence is proof is when affidavit. someone says I didn't vote and they showed they were voting. That's the proof. And yeah, and they sign an affidavit to that effect. So we've got yeah. programs along those lines that we're running right now. Um, but it's all very expensive. So right now I'm, I'm doing my best to try to hustle us to get the, the cash we need to be able to fund these call centers and the affidavit chase. Uh, tell us how, uh, early on, first, what are the states you're looking at? I assume Nevada, Arizona, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, right? Am I missing any? Uh, Georgia. Georgia, of course. Got to have Georgia yeah. on our mind. <laughs> Good. <Yeah>. And, <clears throat> excuse me, how many would you say so far uh, uh, voters have been listed as I, having voted when they, in fact, say they did not? Um, well, our call centers started going out into the field last night to collect those numbers and uh, getting them back from, say, a, a call center is one thing, but we, I need the professionals sitting here at my campaign right. headquarters to, to double check those numbers. So when we get double checked, uh, we will certainly be releasing the numbers of affidavits we have signed. But just for example, in Georgia, uh, there are 138,000 people who filed national change of addresses, right. often as many as five years ago who've been marked as having voted. So we're reaching out to all of them. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, and these numbers continue throughout these, th through these different states. And, and now that's just one program we're running. We're running another program um, where uh, many people have been marked as requesting absentee ballots, but haven't been marked as returned. They, right. they, didn't, they didn't get back. Seems so odd. If you would request it, that you would think you would return it. Right. So if we're calling many of these people, there's 110,000 Republicans in Georgia who requested an absentee ballot, but according to the state, didn't return it. We're going to try to call all of them and say, hey, did you actually mail that ballot back? Because if they said it did, they said they did, and they signed an affidavit. Well, something happened to that ballot. Right. And if it happens en masse, and we've got a significant number of people, that raises a very big red flag. And that's a big red flag you can walk into the courtroom with. And you're at this point, you're just neutral data hunters. You're just trying to uh, authenticate whether people voted or not when they're listed as having voted or not voted. It's um, uh, really a remarkable thing. How many how many uh, people do you hope to call over the next uh, two weeks? Uh, probably around one and a half million. Wow. In probably six or potentially two million. Again, it's a question of funding. Like I mentioned, you know, we have a lot of people throwing in five and ten and fifteen dollars. We right. raised three hundred thousand that way, but I'll have spent it all by Thursday, wow. and then we're, you know, then we can't do anything. And right. um, you know, so we're prioritizing things. But um, I'm optimistic um, that uh, this is important, and you know, it's it's not just important because we might discover fraud. It's also important because if we don't discover fraud, this is probably the only way we can remove the suspicion of fraud. Right. And that suspicion that this election is illegitimate is toxic to a democracy. Of it undermines it the entire country. Whether And honestly, if you're a Joe Biden supporter, you should be cheering us on and contributing right. because we're going to, you know, if, if, if it really was clear, we're going to come out and say, look, this is a clean election because if, if we don't get the funding we need, we're not, there's not someone like us doing this investigation. You've got half the country thinking this election was stolen like we're in a third world country. Right. And right. that. That's untenable. So let's walk through, <clears throat> first off, how do you find out this soon after an election who is listed as voting? Let's walk people through, because you've got a really great system, really a great metho methodology. Uh, how many states already have the list of people who are voting or have voted? Well, in all seven, uh, actually six states that we're targeting on a daily basis uh, for about a month, sometimes two months leading up to election day, the state is constantly releasing a list of people Mm -hmm. who've requested absentee ballots. Right. It's just they, 
and they're updating it every day. And they're also marking it off when somebody returns a ballot. Now, in general campaigns, you know, strategy, you want to get this list because um, if somebody has requested an absentee ballot and hasn't returned it and you think you're, they're one of your voters, you want to pester them to remind them to return it. If they've already returned it, well, guess what? You don't want to knock on their door anymore. You don't want to call them anymore or mail them anymore because that's a waste of time and money. So there's a functional utility to this. But in terms of trying to do this investigation, I now have you know a, a database uh, up to election day of everybody that either voted early, as I did in Virginia, or requested an absentee ballot and or mailed it back. And the dates that they did that and the dates that it came back um, so that's sort of the foundation. So, you know, the only source for this information um, is the state. And we, we were able to obtain it um, from all six states at, ra at tremendous expense. It cost us $60,000 wow. because we had to go through an intermediary vendor just to get these records. And it cost us another forty to do the enhancements, to add things like date of birth. Right. In many states like Georgia, it's missing to add commercial phone numbers to run it through NCOA and also run it against the uh, – Social Security and uh, death index and master death file to find out if there are anybody, you know, if they're voting uh, dead, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Have you found any uh, dead voters yet? We have, although, the, you know, for my standards, just getting matched from a voter file with a date of birth to uh, the Social enough. Security death index, that's not quite enough. So we actually have a special team internally, our research team, who is d going through a little bit more due diligence. Um, uh, but we definitely have uh, we definitely have numbers um, in uh, uh, at least I've so far I've crunched the numbers back from Pennsylvania, Georgia, Nevada. We'll be looking at the other states soon. But yeah, there is the real numbers though. Really, are the NCOA voters or the inactive voters who haven't right. voted in a long time and have suddenly showed up to vote? And guess what? They're in precincts that Biden won with 90% of the vote with 110% turnout or some uh, you know compared to uh, citizen voting age population. That's where the, I think the real investigation needs to happen because. To be honest with you, I'm not going to share specific numbers, but it's not really the dead voters. The dead right. voters may just be indicative, small number that we have of a much larger program that incidentally happened to include people who had, who were deceased. Yeah. So at the end of the day, the theory you have, let me see if I can pin you down on the theory. The theory is that absentee ballots were mailed out to people who didn't live in the state and someone else grabbed them and filled them out. Am I, am I reading the theory right? Um, that is the theory. The, also, the other part of the theory is that somebody uh, requested absentee ballots en masse right. for people who have not voted in a long time. Right. And Sent incidentally, them to a, among them were people who were flagged as NCOA or deceased. Deceased. Or yeah. we'll find them through our vote history research into people who are inactive voters or just haven't voted in the last 10 years or so, or maybe have never voted at all. How do you find, uh, or how would someone go about, if, if this was a machine politics effort, right, that uh, how do you, uh, you know, if someone moved to California, someone moved to New York, someone moved to Florida, they're all living in Wisconsin previously, how does one get the ballots sent to an address where they can then access them? Are there common addresses that you're beginning to see show up that suggest that a, 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 some sort of uh, fraud scheme was underway? Well, in some states, we don't have access to the addresses that the absentee ballot was requested to be sent to. Okay. We just have the address of record. Um, but if I do have that, that person that did move to California, I talk to them on the phone and they say, Hey, um, no, I definitely did not cast a ballot in Wisconsin this year. That turns into an affidavit. Got it. Um, it, it, you know, in some cases we're, we're accessing the, uh, mailing addresses for the ballots themselves. And we're looking for patterns there. We're actually starting to pull that down from Georgia, uh, as we speak. 
Um, but you know, there's no uniformity among the states, and uh, you know, we're just devoting the limited manpower we've got now to uh, to trying to answer those questions. You know, there's other analyses we're trying to do as well, where um, oftentimes, and this is something you know, I've got people on my team, myself included, who are actually involved in trying to find illegal ballots cast all the way back in Florida in the year. 2000 wow. or score fight. And some of the techniques we use there we're going to apply here. For example, finding people who um, were registered in, say, Georgia, filed NCOA, did vote in Georgia, but they're also registered in an adjacent state and are registered to vote there and voted there. So we're looking for double voters. Um, and we've got indications there's as many as 700 of them in Georgia, which isn't a lot, but uh, it, it's the kind of thing that kind of raises questions and uh, you know, as all of this stuff comes together when you look at the NCOA votes, the double votes, um, the people whose ballots, for some reason, you know, these 110,000 Republican ballots that suddenly disappeared somehow. Right. Um, is to, to put those things all together and see what, what picture it, it leaves you with. And then it's really up to the lawyers and the legislators at that point. The um, as you look for fraud, there's a there's a step prior to the fraud that allowed potentially some of these activities to occur if they're proven. And, and again, we're waiting to see if you can prove them. Uh, but that is the, the massive changes in rules that states, particularly Democratic states, made without their legislative approval. Uh, so they, some states didn't clean their voter database, even though it was legally required. Uh, we just did a story in Wisconsin where three things happened without the legislature's approval. They didn't clean the voter files before the election, which means there could be people on the voter files who no longer need to be the or should not be there. Kind of what you're doing as you compare. Two, mm -hmm. they uh, gave the election clerks the ability to fill in missing information on ballots that normally under the law as passed by the legislature would be deemed invalid. Uh, and three, in Wisconsin, they allowed a lot of people to claim that they were permanently uh, trapped in their homes and therefore they could av avoid the voter ID requirements that the state had imposed uh, through its legislature. Talk about the run-up to the election, these changes in Pennsylvania, these changes in Wisconsin, the very well-demonstrated uh, changes in Wisconsin that we just wrote about and put all the memos out so people can see the state making these changes. Was that a prelude to being able to allow people maybe to pull off a fraud scheme if there is one? It certainly makes it easy. And, in, you know, anytime an election is close, uh it starts to reveal these types of problems. Right. Uh, we mentioned Florida 2000, right? And in, in you were around there, you saw that um, it revealed so many problems with the election system in Florida, right? These mismatched voting machines, right. machines that weren't operating clearly. Here's a dirty little secret. There's no state in the country that if they had a close election, wouldn't reveal exactly the same thing about that. Wow. I've worked... Um, I've worked all over the country in election administration for cities, states. I've done redistricting. I redistricted Chicago and Illinois and Massachusetts and Boston, Arizona. Place I, I've and I've gone into like county clerk's office where they manage those machines and tried to help them fix problems and all of these kinds of things. I, even this year, I was a, a poll watcher in a municipal race in Alabama, kicking ballots out because the person I knew no longer lived there. Wow. Um, the the uh, lack of, uh, I don't know, uh, I guess a bit generally the, the election system in this company, the country uh, lacks any internal competency. And the only thing that saved it from exploding is that typically a margin of victory is enough to overcome the errors and doubts that the system creates, right? But when it's close, 
we all there's no state in this country that would not suffer you know florida 2000 all over it again and you're now seeing it play out in five six different states right now and in countless other states too where you have really close uh state uh you know u.s congressional district races like new york for example or uh or virginia right no exactly yep that's another one that uh, a lot of people are talking about virginia so let me uh, i'm going to throw some numbers out at you i think they match closely but these are some numbers that in our own so just the news launched its own sort of um review precinct by precinct of voting and again we don't have same day voting or a day of voting so when we get those in Wisconsin and Michigan, I believe we get those on the 18th or 19th. So we'll have mm -hmm. uh, same day voting or, you know, election day voting. and We'll be able to look for mm -hmm. other uh, anomalies. But early on, we found about 138,221 people in Georgia that uh, have the same address and name as people who are in the NCOA database as having moved. Does that seem uh, about right to oh, you? That's, that's exactly the number we have. Okay. 138,000. Pennsylvania, uh, we ran some numbers and it looks like 24,000 and some change, about 24,500 or ballpark. Does that sound right to you? Uh, yeah, that's exactly the number we have. Close uh, to, yeah, 20, 24,000. Wow. Okay. I'm going to walk down some other things. So the other things that we looked at were the number of people who requested um, a, a mail-in ballot and as of election day hadn't yet returned to them. And it's a quarter million in, in Georgia if we're doing our math, well, about 250,000. Does that sound right to you? Um, sorry, you cut out a little bit for me. What state is that? Uh, Georgia. And the number of people who requested, but as of Election Day, had not yet uh, had their ballot received back in. Uh, yeah, to a quarter million. Wow. And Pennsylvania is a lot larger, like 480,000 is what we came up with. Maybe a little bit more, 481,000. Does that sound right to you? Uh, yep, that, that aligns with my numbers. Wow. So, all right. So the Justin News and your operation are seeing very similar uh, data points, which seems to now again, some of these could have come in on election day, right? So these could shrink a little bit. These numbers could go down when we see the, the the number of ballots that were counted on election day. But going into election day, those are some numbers that really put a red flag out there. Correct? Uh, they, well, it, it depends on what the responses from our call center are. It's right. not uncommon for um, people not to you know to you know forget to return the ballot or right. not make it much of a priority. But um, what would be a problem is if we do discover systematic or potentially targeted um, somehow, you know, for one, let's say a geography where all of the Republican ballots just for some reason uh, didn't make it back to the clerk's office. Right, right. Yeah, there are, listen, there are anomalies in every election that aren't indicative of fraud. They're just the way the election system works. And also people are human. Some people remember, some people don't. Some people forget to send them in. Some people send them in half filled out. They get rejected. So some of this is normal, but with the size well, of it. Well, that's not quite. If, right. if they do get rejected, right. that gets that wouldn't count as not having been returned. That's There's right. another coding yeah. process for that. Yeah, no, that's right. I'm I just pointing out to our listeners that you know there certain things happen every election. Right. But the breadth of what you've discovered thus far early on is, um, you know, at least a, a, a good starting point to, to digging in. If you had to guess, uh, what is a threshold where you're going to feel comfortable saying, all right, in Florida or in Wisconsin or in uh, Georgia, we feel like we've identified enough fraud that it could have or enough abnormal abnormalities that we think it could have affected the election. What's a threshold number that you're looking to achieve to make a claim that the election was influenced by these these anomalies? Well, it's important to remember here is that let's say we do discover anomalies. Mm -hmm. They would only be incidental 
if there was an organized uh, fraud effort, they would only be incidental to it because it's, uh, how, how would I describe it? Um, let's say somebody somehow engineered uh, through massive fraud, you know, 20,000 illegitimate ballots. Right. Well, the methods I'm using wouldn't catch 20,000. They would catch maybe 100 right. or 200, but those would be indicative of a larger effort. Because if I catch you casting ballots for, say, dead people in a specific geography, it wasn't because you were targeting dead people. Right. You were just targeting everybody, That's and right. you happened to hit some dead people. Yep. So, um, and, and you know, then again, it's not definitive proof, but that's really a question for the courts and the attorneys to weigh, and there's different remedies. I mean, everything from uh, a recount, a manual recount, um, auditing the code inside some of these voting machines, perhaps, um, all the way up to the more radical remedies, which is a, a calling a new election, which actually happened just this year due to vote fraud in New and Jersey. This election in New Jersey, exactly. that's right, and, and has happened in Miami in a year. So yeah. it's not unheard of, although it would be unheard of in a presidential election. On the other hand, an investigation of the kind I'm conducting here has never been done before either. Yeah, that's a great point. So, you're, do, you're doing a forensic exam that's never been done before by ballots. Um, a lot of people have put, uh, focused on uh, the uh, uh, the data codes on the envelopes that return the uh, ballots. If you could get access to those, what might the data code show about who requested, who received the ballots? How, how valuable is that if you were going to do a additional forensic analysis? I don't know that, that would lead to anything actionable. Okay. I, I again, I, I kind of know how those work. Um, it, it would be very tricky because those codes are synced ordinarily to the uh, person it was mailed out to, and it you know comes back with a ballot number. Right. Um, yeah, I don't. I can't off the top of my head think of any utility there, short of it potentially, you know, trying to implicate like election, uh, board of election staff with being part of a massive conspiracy. Right. And that's that's quite a stretch that I. Uh, yeah, it'd be hard to pull I, off I, I, for too no, many yeah, witnesses. It's hard to, to prove, hard to to you know believe or convince anybody of. Whereas you know the real, I think the real meat and potatoes of this is people saying, hey, I didn't cast that ballot. Right. I'll sign an affidavit. Or yes, I mailed mine back three weeks before the election. What do you mean it didn't count? Yeah. Of course I'm going to sign an affidavit. So those are really the two angles we see, along with the double voters, which is, again, fairly easy to prove. You match somebody with the same name, same right. date of birth, adjacent states, and an NCOA linking them together. Yeah, no, it's uh, uh, pretty extraordinary. Do you have one state in the early data work that you've done? Is there one state that stands out to you thus far? Uh, is it Georgia? Is it Virginia? Uh, 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 Wisconsin, Michigan? Is there any one state that's starting to stand out as an early trendsetter? Um, we're actually still at the part where um, we've just finished crunching or prepping these states to even begin outreach begin the process. to them. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, once I get off the phone with you, I'm going to finished crunching the numbers for Michigan and Wisconsin and uh, Arizona and get those out on my Twitter feed Great. for those top line numbers. And then sort of figure out, you know, with the limited funding I've got left, uh, what I want to do the most effective it. way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The, um, when we look at this, the courts aren't going to referee individual ballots, obviously what they're going to be looking for was, was there a constitutional abridgment, a, a, uh, a system set up that didn't follow the Constitution, you know, Article 1, Section 4, that says legislatures decide and everybody has to be treated equally. 
when you put this data in uh, and you you combine it with the revelations that we now know that there were systems ma- uh, uh, changes made to the voting systems that weren't approved by the legislatures but by unelected bureaucrats the combination of data you know arrays if we see changes in behavior or or people saying i didn't vote or i did vote and uh, for some reason i never got counted with these changes what are the likelihood you know as you look at it that lawyers can succeed uh, in this very narrow window we have before election uh, results are certified you know i think that the absolute dead deadline is to date the electors right uh, cast their votes um and you know, we've kind of never really been here before. We've been here just sort of in a small way, I guess, with Florida a long time ago. Right. Um, but I think that uh, this is really something the lawyers are going to have to figure out and fight out and, you know, create some new precedents. Yeah. All I know is I'm gathering evidence um, yep. of potential fraud or gathering evidence that there isn't any or there that hasn't been a final election. Right. Election. Yeah. And, and that's, I want to make a point here is that if that turns out to be the case, it's time for the right conservatives, Republicans, to to really think about why they lost. Because if this, let's say this was a clean election, but this boogeyman of voter fraud isn't put to rest, that boogeyman will distract us from making the changes that really would make a difference in terms of winning these elections moving forward. It will distract us from real objectives. Whereas if we get rid of that boogeyman, then we can have a straight talk about the neglect of voter engagement, community organizing among rural, blue-collar voters who right. naturally are attracted to our party but have been historically ignored by it. Now, you're somebody who's been involved in campaigns for a long time, obviously played an important role in the 2016 Trump campaign. Uh, do you think if if this turns out to be a completely legitimate election, Joe Biden has won fair and square, uh, do you think the question of how Republicans dealt with mail-in voting will become a, a big debate inside the party? That's a good question. Um, I think that uh, I think it's important. Voter integrity is going to be important moving forward. I mean, the Heritage Foundation has found thousands of instances of actual individual voting yeah. uh, fraud. Right. And again, there have been elections that have been overturned by it. And while I might not discover evidence of something fraudulent, I, you know, it's not going to rule it out 100 percent. Regarding mail-in voting, um, I think it's important that I mean, we've got certain demographics in our party that do vote absentee, particularly the uh, elderly. Um, and to make sure that they're able to continue doing that um, while still being able to maintain uh, voter integrity. Right. Um, so that's, you know, and as technology advances, I think that uh, there are probably ways to do that. Um, perhaps uh, some kind of online system to uh, validate or to approve the set, the you getting your uh, absentee ballot request, that that has to be done through a website that also has a camera. Good so point. we see who it is. Yeah. And, you know, I think we've got to, modernize some of these technologies because you know as well as I do that government is the slowest to adapt new technology. That they are. They usually and the, voting, the trailing edge. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, and it, it applies to voting technology sure. as well. It's way, way, way behind the rest of the world. Uh, and, you know, businesses and what they're able to get done. And part of it's a factor of funding and part of the fact of it is a nurse, you know, they think if it ain't broke, don't, don't fix it. But there's lots of rooms for improvement. And, um, you know, perhaps we'll have that discussion uh, when things settle down after this is all resolved. That's an important point, right? We shouldn't, after we resolve these questions, just take a deep breath and say, let's move on. I think that's what we did after 2020 or 2000 in Florida. And that's why we're 20 years later still dealing with a lot of these integrity issues with voting. Uh, it's really important that that uh, even after we resolve how this election played out, 
that we come back to these issues and try to come to a, a more modern and also more uniform way that the country can count vote and have the absolute assurance that uh, it's been counted the right way. Do you think there's a will there in Congress and in, in uh, the legislatures to, to take that debate on after this? You know, I think it's, I think it's up to the state legislatures. I don't see a whole lot happening on the national level right. on, uh, regarding this. And part of it is also, you know, forget about um, bipartisanship. Uh, the way our government is set up, this is elections are run by the state. Of course, and that's, right. uh, that's so important. It, it's kind of hard to overcome that, but uh, I think that uh, the problem is that so many on the left um, are just absolutely dead set against anything that uh, would improve uh, ballot security, yep. things like voter ID. Um, and what's going to happen is this: look, if you've got a state where Republicans run the show, yeah, you're probably going to they're going to tighten down the bolts on a potential. Uh, avenues of fraud. If you live in a Democrat state, I don't think they're going to do anything because they, you know, they're in power. The system that put them in power uh, is what they want to maintain. Right. Oh, that's so right. Last question, because I know you got to get back to crunching numbers and running call centers and getting us an important answer about these, uh, the data integrity of our, our election. Um, there have been some whistleblowers that come out that have described certain uh, behaviors such as backdating uh, uh, ballots to show that they came in the third when they came in later, uh, people filling out ballots late at night and stuffing the ballot boxes, for lack of a better word. Um, anything in the early data that would give credence to any of you at these whistleblowers or, or um, people making allegations are saying? Is there any, anything you see in the early data that might give credence to what they've been alleging? Nothing gives more credence to that than actually signing an affidavit yeah, and key, having, and, and they can't have heard it secondhand. They've got to have witnessed it. And, you know, I, I did have conversations with lawyers that are uh, associated with the campaign associated right. with other efforts. And they're, they're looking after that. They're, they're getting those documents drafted and ready to march into court with them. Um, what uh, a lot of the, the methods of fraud that uh, have been speculated about and you've seen some pretty crazy charts out there sure. and uh, yeah. graphs and maps and crazy stories. Some of the methods that we're applying here will detect that. Yeah. If it did happen, we will detect it. And it will ultimately translate into what we want, affidavits. Yeah, no, it's um, pretty remarkable. The um, Well, uh, Matt, we hope to uh, stay in touch with you and keep on top of this very important, very uh, old-fashioned way of just checking the validity of our, our balloting. Uh, how do people follow what you're doing on a daily basis? Uh, well, first of all, again, this is a very expensive process, and right. um, I, I would set up a crowdfunding. I'm not personally taking a penny from the money we raised on crowdfunding. It's all this. going into the work, right? Uh, yeah, and uh, that they can contribute at givesendgo.com slash voter integrity uh, to keep up with um, our updates and our research. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter um, at Matt Brainerd. That's M-A-T-T. B is in Bravo, R-A-Y, N is in November, A-R, D is in Delta, Matt Brainerd on Twitter. Great. All right. We're going to send people there to keep an eye on us, and we're going to be keeping an eye on it here at Just the News, which we're very grateful for your hard work. All right, folks, we'll be back in a second to wrap things up right after this commercial break. Folks, Factors, delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. 
wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, plus veggie, and so much more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutritional packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious and easy. What are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. If you're like me and have a busy schedule that the last thing you want to worry about is what to eat or having to go to the grocery store, Factor makes it easy. As they are flexible to your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Plus, Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, usually in just two minutes. So there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Head to factormeals.com slash justnews50 and use the promo code justnews50 to get 50% off. That's the code justnews50 at factormeals.com. One more time, factormeals.com slash justnews50. Use the justnews50 code and you will get 50% off your first order. Hey folks, it's John Solomon here. Today, I want to shine a light on AMAC, an organization who's dedicated to America's seniors, but is vital for conservatives of all ages. AMAC stands out by not only advocating for senior issues, but also by pushing for conservative values that affect us all. By joining, you're not just supporting our senior citizens, you're part of a movement defending the freedoms that made this country great and to ensure that we secure our nation's future. Plus, membership brings you exclusive benefits like discounts on travel, dining, and entertainment, and of course, special insurance rates, one of the things I like. Regardless of your age, if you're driven to preserve freedom, AMAC welcomes you. This is about uniting youthful vigor with the wisdom of experience and our quest to keep this country great. Sign up now for amac.us slash justnews. And for a limited time, you get a free gift membership for someone else who shares your love for our great nation. Don't miss out on this chance to make a difference from AMAC. Join today at amac.us slash justnews. That's amac.us slash justnews. And extend the invitation to a friend or family member for free. What a great opportunity. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition, a Monday edition of John Solomon Reports. We hope you enjoyed the interview with Matt Brainerd. He's a man who's doing something that very few in American history have ever tried, a data-driven integrity election check. Uh, He is securing affidavits. He's comparing voter rolls. He's identifying by the hundreds or the thousands, whatever it turns out to be, Uh, people who say they didn't vote it even though they're listed as voted, who said they didn't request an absentee ballot but are listed as having received one. Uh, Matt Brainerd could have a profound impact on this election one way or the other. Listen, he may finish his work and say Joe Biden won fair and square. He may finish his work and say we found systemic fraud or systemic irregularities in the election that could potentially have swung the outcome. In either case, Matt Brainerd's work is a very important work. We're going to keep an eye on it here at justthenews.com. We'll be back tomorrow with another guest and another discussion. I have a funny feeling it's going to have to do with the overtime election we're all living through. All right, folks, have a good rest of the day. Thank you for all you do. Make sure you support our sponsors and advertisers. We'll be back with you tomorrow morning. History, economics, the great works of literature, the meaning of the U.S. Constitution. Did you study these things in school? Probably not. Or even if you did, like I did, maybe it's time for a refresher. Time and technology have changed a lot of things, but they have not changed basic fundamental truths about the world and our place in it as America. 
That's why I'm so excited that Hillsdale College is offering more than 40 free online courses in the most important and enduring subject. You can learn about the works of C.S. Lewis, the stories in the book of Genesis, the meaning of the U.S. Constitution, the rise and fall of the Roman Republic, or the history of the ancient Christian church with Hillsdale College's online courses, all available for free. That's right, you heard me, for free. You don't get anything free in the Biden economy today. I personally recommend you sign up for the American Citizenship and its Decline. It's with my good friend, the great historian, Victor Davis Hanson. In this eight-lecture course, VDH, as I like to call him, explores the history of citizenship in the West and the threats it faces today. Threats like the erosion of the middle class, the disappearance of our borders, the growth of an unaccountable deep state, and the rise of globalist organizations. The course is self-paced so that you can start whenever and wherever. So start your free course, American Citizenship and Its Decline, with my good friend, Victor Davis Hanson, today. How do you do that? Go right now to hillsdale.edu slash justnews to start. It's free, and it's easy to get started, and it's an easy URL to remember. All you got to do, go to hillsdale.edu slash justnews. One more time, hillsdale.edu slash just news. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, You can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now.